everybody. Grab your Bible, pencil, journal, and maybe even a cup of coffee and join in on the conversation. But first, I would like for you to write this down. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. Therefore, we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things that are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Hey everyone, welcome to Write This Down with Dot Bowen. My name is Kara, I am Dot's daughter, and every week we sit down together and we talk through truths and scripture, and we are talking about 1st and 2nd Corinthians today, and we're talking about the difference of tone that Paul uses between the two letters and really kind of focus on just living with an eternal perspective and how to live, I mean, in some ways, how to live with hope. So we are really glad that you're here. We would love for you to pull up a chair and listen in. Hey, Kara. Hello, Mom. Hello, Kara. Okay, so we are in First and Second Corinthians, and I love First and Second Corinthians. I guess I say that almost every week. Hmm, maybe I just love Scripture. Yeah. So before we get into that, okay, I have something I need to talk about. Oh, for the love, could we talk about this? <laughs> When we're not recording and the whole world isn't joining in on the conversation? No, because that's what makes this organic and fun. Okay. So I don't know if you remember, you or the listeners, a few months ago, you asked me if I was nervous about being behind and catching up in time for December 31st. And I was like, no, I have plenty of time. And this morning I woke up and I started to get a little nervous (laughs) because I have been, I am not kidding. I have been behind since January. Of last year. No, no, of this year. Yeah. Of this year. Of course. Uh, Yeah. And I've pretty much been behind in terms of like, I've had a steady pace of being like one to two months behind. You know, like I'll catch up a little bit. I might get close to like a month a month behind and then like I'll get back and then I'm like two months behind. So I started thinking about it today and I was like, okay, I'm a little over two months behind and we have three months <laughs> left. <laughs> so this is my, this is what I was just going to say as accountability and public it's confession. Not even, it's not even accountability actually. It's just like, I just need, I need help. So this is, I'm going to do it. I'm not, Mm -hmm. I'm not too far. It's not December yet, so it's okay. But I'm like, my goal is to catch up in a month. Okay. So we'll see if I can do it because I have to go through, I'm in Isaiah. Mm. (laughs) And so there's some fun, not fun uh, books that I'm going to have to power through, but Anyway, so I don't know, maybe just I felt like I need to say it on here for the person who clearly you did not have to do this perfectly, but you just got to stick to it and you mm-hmm. just got to fight for it. Not don't give up. Because at this point, this I'm uh, 
No, I'm not three months behind. I don't think I've ever gotten three months behind, but I've been, like I said, around one to two months behind is what my steady pace this whole year has been. This is the worst. This is the worst it's ever been. Well, just to make you sweat a little bit more. Oh, great. This year we get to go to Cayman. And for every year that we've been reading the Bible together, which has been a long time, I don't even know how long, <laughs> we've been able to go to the beach and came in and sit and read know, the last we chapter. Read. And we had the pandemic, so we were not able to do it. Well, and this year we get to go to Cayman. And so what I'm saying is I'm going to pull up a chair. Stop. I'm going to get me a cup to. of coffee. And I'm going to ask close. you, and I'm going to ask you to join in on the conversation. And I really hope you do. I know December 31st, I need, I will be caught up. I will be caught up on December 31st so that, we will read it. I mean, I might be out there the whole day, but I will be reading on December 31st and I'll be in Revelation. Hopefully we'll be on the beach and it's not dark and we'll be able to read the scripture because if you're going to be out there all day, you have until 12 midnight. Listen, here's the thing is I'm not worried about December 31st right now. It's October mm-hmm. or whatever it is. And uh, I'm just saying right now, mm-hmm. I'm going to try to catch up in a month. by Okay. The first week of November, my goal is to be caught up because it's Christmas. So that's my, I was like, I woke up this morning and I was like, okay, I'm starting to feel the heat a little bit. (laughs) So you're going to love Corinthians when you get to it because. I did read, I mean, I knew, I I said this and that whenever you asked me that. I've, like, I do read and get into, so in some ways, maybe I could think of it this way if I've, maybe I've read it twice. (laughs) Because I do want our conversation to be like, I want to know what's going on in Corinthians. So I did read, I mean, I didn't like read, read it, but I flipped through it and read some chapters and stuff. So that Because you did not know what chapter or verses that I was going to read, because uh, as you call this organic, you don't know what we're going to talk about until we start to talk about it. But I do love Corinthians. You don't know either sometimes, because I say things. Yeah. Oh. I never know what you're going to say, but I definitely know what I'm going to talk about. But I never know how the conversation is going to turn out because sometimes you get me off of track. But I want to go back to the first and second Corinthians. And just to give a little bit of context, Paul is writing to um, the church in Corinth and that he founded on his second missionary trip. And he has not received good news. Church what do you isn't mean? going so well. Well in what way? Well the church, the believers, are dividing, they're having quarrels, they're upset with each other. There's a lot of sin, a lot of immorality like incest, lawsuits among the Christians, and it was just a lot of stuff that was going on. And so he gets news that all of this stuff that's going on and how that these Christians are living. And there's, you know, right in the middle of the unbelievers, they're watching because, you know, Corinth was a big city of a lot of great trade and, of course, a lot of unbelievers. And here's this church that Paul's planted, you know, wanting to be a great example and wanting to share the gospel and, and be able to, use their influence that are a positive influence in the lives of unbelievers where now he hears that these believers are acting more like the unbelievers than they are believers. And so 
he gets word of that. So he writes the first letter, and he's, he's kind of like a teacher, and he addresses all the issues that are how to deal with the situation. And I just can tell, like in the second letter, he's kind of calmed down a little bit, and he's more like a pastor. And it's one of the most personal letters, actually, the second Corinthians. He talks about his struggles. He talks about some of the things that he struggles with and how he knows that he's the chief of all sinners and that he, you know, he just looks and writes to uh, the church in a whole different way. As one of the reasons why I kind of love it is because you know, just kind of seeing Paul as a real person. So I I feel like I'm pretty like indifferent on Corinthians. Like I don't really like love it. Don't I mean there's nothing no book in the Bible I hate, but I just kind of feel like meh, whatever mm-hmm. about it. At least that's what I thought like going into this conversation. And I was kind of flipping in my head, I was thinking that I liked first Corinthians more than second Corinthians. And then when I was kind of flipping through it, I was it was the opposite. Um mm-hmm. so it's interesting that I didn't really know the that different tone or I never really like picked up on to say it like that of Paul being a little bit more of a strict teacher in first Corinthians versus pastoral in the second. But mm-hmm. a lot of the there's a, a lot and especially the first like handful, maybe the first like five or something chapters of front of second Corinthians that there's some verses in there that I really, really love. And mm-hmm. one being what you read at the beginning of this episode. So anyway, I was like, oh, clearly I'm remembering this all wrong because I did remember that there was one Corinthian. I didn't know. I thought it was the second, but it's the first. That's a little bit more, I don't know. He's kind of getting on to him. And he's yeah. telling him how to deal with some difficult stuff. And, and you know, he's just straightforward. He's like, look, you, you just can't associate with these people. You're just not going to let them be able to continue to live um, the way that they're living, and you have to do some strict uh, confrontation. You're going to have to make some strict uh, rules. I mean, we're not used to that today. We're all about grace, and I think Paul was definitely understood grace because, I mean, look at Paul's life. So he's not coming from a perspective of, I'm this great, holy guy, and I think maybe that's why in Second Corinthians he kind of calms down a little bit to, you know, more to relate and say, hey, I understand. But he just makes it very clear in First Corinthians, there are a lot of stuff that's happening. I hear about it, and it's got to end. It's got to stop. Yeah. Well, I think you can be strict or straightforward and still have grace. I do think that. Mm-hmm. I think there's a fine line. I mean, I'm not saying everything. I mean, anyway. And he talks about being free. Like, you know, they're dealing with, I guess they're talking about, well, I'm free. I can do what I want to do, which is some of the things that we deal with within the church today. And what I found interesting in 1 Corinthians about him being free, I think it's uh, 1 Corinthians 9, he talks about his liberty. And, you know, yeah, I'm free. You know, we are free. And, and But what I found so interesting about that is that we believe that we're free to do. We're, we're free to do what we want to do. And Paul is saying you're free not to do it. That God has set you free, He's given you the Spirit within you, not to continue to live in the sin. And, you know, it's just a different little shift in your thinking in that, you know, I can I can do everything. I'm, you know, God's forgiven me, you know, 
we all sin, we all have shortcomings. I, I read just the other day, it says that Jesus forgave us of our sins, not our shortcomings. And I thought, I have never really thought of it that way. Because we wink at these shortcomings and things like this. What do but, you hold on? What do you mean by shortcomings? Or what like, was it? Like, well, you know how instead of calling sin sin, we call it it's a shortcoming. Well, it's just something I struggle with. Well, it's a blind spot. Like instead of saying, you know what, I just have a terrible attitude, what we say is, well, she pushed my button, or they pushed my button, or I'm just in a bad mood, or I'm just tired. You know, I'll, you know, we make every kind of excuses there are. And I, I just think, said that. <laughs> Well, you, you call me, me out earlier. because I just told you I was really tired. But that's not a sin, being really tired. No, but no, maybe no. I could respond to things in a sinful way because I'm tired. Like my fuse is a little bit shorter or... Well, everybody's tired. I'm tired. We're not... It's not about us being tired or not tired. What I'm saying is that we sometimes when we are living in sin or sometimes when we have a, a horrible attitude or we're angry with someone, instead of seeing our place in this division, we're blaming the other person because if they hadn't acted that way, I wouldn't have acted this way. Well, I wouldn't have said that, but I'm just tired. Or, you know, we have every reason of why we do what we do. And I think that's what I love about First Corinthians. Not that I love anybody getting on to me because I hate that as everybody else does. But what I, what I see in Paul is Paul is hearing what they're doing, addressing what they're doing, but challenging them to do better. And that's mm-hmm. where I think is the way to look at First Corinthians yeah. and just training them and teaching them. This is just not what you should be doing if you proclaim to be a follower of Jesus. You should not act like the world. And that's just the bottom right. line. And Yeah. Know, we can yeah. edit that part out if you want to, but I don't suggest it. Because <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, I don't, you know, I don't write the Bible. I just teach it. These are God's words, and God right. doesn't. It's like just, don't shoot the messenger. Yes, and for the love. <laughs> I mean, I can deal with the same things that the Corinthians were dealing with. Oh, well, not all of the things. I mean, I can cause division and I can have a bad attitude. I'm not saying that you know, dealt with everything that the Corinthians did. But we do see a lot of it in the church in the fact that we've just kind of put grace. I, I think I've said this on, on here before about reading that book, Grace Gone Wild. And I think that we've just taken grace to a point of as an excuse to be able to do anything because I've been forgiven. And we are mm-hmm. forgiven. But I think that— But there's a—I mean, if you think about freedom in general, it's like, yeah, I mean, you do—you are free to not do. Well, you are free to walk across the street in the middle of Georgia 400. That's what I'm saying. You're—I know. That's what I'm saying. Like, what? yeah, like, you're—we're free to not do it. So it doesn't—you don't have to, like, prove your freedom by doing all these things. It's like, well— I just think it's more encouraging to me to know that I'm really— been set free, and I've been the given the power to not do the things that I really don't want to do. You just get caught right. up in certain things, and you know I don't want to have that kind of attitude. I don't want to be angry. I don't want to be mad. I don't want to be unforgiving. I I don't down deep the spirit in me. I don't want to be anything but like Christ. But when I'm not acting like Christ, 
I just want to know that I've been set free to not be like the world because that's just bondage. And when you talk about being set free, it, it implies the other option is to be in bondage of that. And I think a lot of people are in bondage in their mindset of being able to think, I just, you know, that's just the way I am. It's just, I always respond like this, or I always get upset over that. And instead of saying, God, you've given me the power to set me free that I don't have to continue to act like that. And that was what Paul was doing with First Corinthians. He was just going through everything that he had heard was going on in the church, and he addresses it, and he's sharp, and he's to the point. And then he gets to Second Corinthians, and we just start seeing more of the heart of God and the heart of God in Paul and his growth of being able to be more transparent, you know, just more about sharing his heart. Are these two letters, were they written separately? Because I know sometimes, like, First and Second Samuel, for instance, mm-hmm. that's kind of one that it was broken up into two. Is were these two? They're two separate letters, correct? They really are. Like and in one, different. Like there was time lapsed in between them. Less than a year, but there was time lapsed. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It was about a, almost a year between the two, and I think that you know, again, I'm sure. I don't know. I haven't talked to Paul about this, but I'm sure over time, uh, between the first letter to the second that he's hearing more and more about the response of his first letter and how people were taking it. And I think that, you know, he just kind of, he doesn't ever wink at saying he's always very straightforward and he's a straight shooter, but he does share a little bit more of his heart. I think everyone in the New Testament is like that. And I, I, I mean, it seems like it, at least from what, yeah, I've, yeah, I stand by that statement, actually. <laughs> okay. I feel like everyone in the New Testament, none, no one really winks at sin. And maybe because they I think this could be just like the difference of cultures of like they, I don't know that we can really truly fully grasp the weight of sin on this side mm-hmm. of heaven. But I think when you see the consequences of sin and seeing that sin killed, you know, Jesus, put him on the cross, even though he conquered death and conquered sin. But, and then seeing, you know, all these believers being martyred left and right and just the the climate and culture that they were, you know, trying to plant on these churches and just all the persecution. Like, I think them seeing, I don't know, I just feel like they probably saw the weight of sin a little bit differently than we may in the Western culture over here. Well, I do think that's true, Kara, but I think we just get really caught up in our own culture. I think we become a very much by the people that we're surrounded by. And that's true. I know, but levels. I think the the disciples or the well disciples, yes, but the apostles, I feel like I mean they were in that culture too, but I just feel like they never they just always were aware of the weight of sin. Like they like you said, mm-hmm. like they didn't wink about it. No. And that's what I mean by I feel like in their cult like just what they're seeing in the day to day and actually seeing Jesus on the cross and seeing... I do think there's a key, uh, a little bit of a a key in in the verses that I read. He said, you know, about, uh, it really was uh, an eternal perspective. And he said, you know, all that we're going through right now is, you know, gaining us a way to glory. And, and, you know, even though we don't see what's going to happen, we don't see what God's going to do, or we don't see the eternal perspective or heaven yet, or we're not in heaven yet, but we, 
we know that that's coming. And so I think Paul and, and the apostles, because you know, death for um, a believer during this time, you know, they were very much aware that they could be persecuted and martyred for their faith. So they were always aware that you know that every day made a difference, and they kept what was the main thing, the main thing. Well, I think too. I was just thinking this, like, I feel confident to say that I don't ever doubt the existence of God or Jesus or that this is true, like where I am in my faith and just after walking with Jesus for as long as I have. I don't ever doubt His existence or realness, but there are these moments when I just am like, oh my gosh, you're, it's like this overwhelming of like, oh, you're so real. And mm-hmm. it's like a, I don't know, like it just various moments throughout, you know, your life. They are not necessarily super often, but, you know, maybe, I don't know. Anyway, I feel like I just had one of these moments like a couple months ago, and I honestly can't even remember what it was. So that's (laughs) because— life-changing. Yeah. Well, they're not even—they're not life-changing moments. It's just these, like, sobering moments of, like, oh, my gosh, like, God is real. Like, Mm -hmm. He is over everything and in control Mm -hmm. and— I don't even, like, it's like I can't even explain it. But it's like these sobering moments, like, oh, my gosh, you're so real. And it's not because I was doubting it. It's just, like, something that only he could do, you know. Mm-hmm. And and I think the apostles, they probably experienced that so much, whether that be, like, the fact that, you know, they survived a day while mm-hmm. after they, like, were preaching yeah. on the street or, or whether it, or even just having hope against hope like we talked about last week or you know what I mean like it and people just, come in to know Jesus and they're you know people are changing their lives are changing but you know I just want to say this I, I think I think it is life changing because it's those moments that you're like wow you know God your presence or that you really are who you say you are and I think those are faith you know, developing your faith and stuff. I mean, right. And I say all that to say, like, I feel like when you have those moments, it's just kind of like everything else. It's like this remembrance of like, oh my gosh, like this is very real. Right. And there is a heaven or, you know, like Mm -hmm. there is an eternity. There is life after death for the believer. There's life after this. Yeah. There's more to life than this. Yeah. And so I just, I just feel like that, the apostles, it because of them never. Well, I don't want to say never. They're still human, but from what we see in the in the New Testament, they don't really waver. And I just wonder if that was a part of it is because they're just constantly seeing the miracle. They're constantly seeing the provision. They're constantly seeing, you know, people surrender their life. And they, I mean, they, and plus they saw Jesus. At least mm-hmm. the, the eleven. Of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like they saw. Yeah, the disciples, they saw it firsthand, so. But, you know, I will have to say this, not to always take the other side, but, you know, John the Baptist did question it. He was in prison. And remember, he sent this letter. Well, did he just say, are you really— Are you the one? Or should we expect another? I think he was just clarifying. Well, I think that there's just a <laughs> moment. I mean, again, we're putting into Scripture probably what we shouldn't. But, I mean, he clearly says, are you the one or should we expect another? Of course, clearly, John the Baptist knew that he was the forerunner and that Jesus was coming. And, you know, he clearly knew that Jesus was the Messiah. But sometimes in your life, there's just this hope of, yes, God, you are the one. Yes, you are God. And, yes, this does 
and will make a difference. You know, it, it, it's he's in prison. He's about to die. And I think sometimes there's just times in our lives that we have to come to the conclusion, like you're saying, those aha moments sometimes of, God, yes, there there's more to life than what I'm thinking right now. And there's more power than what power I have. And yes, there is a God and I'm not it. And and I think that we all have to kind of come to that realization sometimes over and over a period of times because, you know, you get in your life and you get doing what you want to do and start just, you get kind of just doing life. And yeah. if we don't stop for a little bit, we might think, well, all of this is, I mean, does this really matter? Does my life matter? Does things that I'm going through, will it really matter? And I think Paul, you know, is saying, hang on there. Don't lose heart. Like, mm-hmm. there, you know, all the stuff that you're going through, there is a purpose behind this. And even though we don't know what that purpose might be right now, what Paul was saying is, but there's going to come a time you're going to know there is life right. after this life. I think, too, the whole, like, remembering that there's an entire world that is not seen in terms of, you know, we're in a spiritual battle. We don't fight flesh mm-hmm. flesh and blood. And I was just reminded this past weekend in a conversation with a friend of, you know, when we're in a spiritual battle or if we're fighting something, you know, whether it's like trying to forgive or trying to maintain hope or trying to stand in faith or whatever it may mm-hmm. be, like that's a, those are spiritual things. And in order to fight those spiritual fights, we have to fight through prayer. You know, like that's how you know, a lot of how we can like grab hold of those, that strength and mm-hmm. not to like get into whole, I know prayer is like such a huge thing, but anyway, all I have to say is like, I think it's so hard to remember the unseen for the obvious. Mm-hmm. We don't see it. Exactly. <laughs> so, and that being the just eternal perspective, mm-hmm. it's like, it's so easy to lose sight of it because we don't see it. We can't see eternity or heaven or, you know, anything like that. So and you know, Carrot, I know you hate it when I talk about me dying or thinking about dying, but but in reality, I mean, really and truly, you know, we all know I'm old, and and I know that people are very young, you know, die. Uh, but you know, I don't know. I, I think for the last uh, five years, I think that the you know finishing well, finishing strong, and thinking about you know life after this. And I, I, I think, I don't care how old you are, I really think it's just wise to, you know, when you go to bed at night and you think, you know, God, if I wake up and I see you face to face, will I be okay with what I did today? Like, And, and of course you're going to be okay because you're going to be in the presence of God. But it's just a reminder of, you know, making every day count and, you know, not just living to survive, but but for living for a purpose. And and I think that that's important. And I think that's what Paul is trying to say. Like, you know, I know you're going through a hard time. I know you're under persecution. I, I do am. But we have to be reminded that this isn't what life's all about, that there's things way beyond what we cannot see. There's things happening and reasons that are things are happening that we do not know and we cannot, and, and that this should give us this hope. And I see that that's the heart of Paul, you know, in Second Corinthians. And I just want to throw this in here. You know, I, I said earlier about you know Paul 
trying to slow down a little bit about this being more of a pastoral letter in Second Corinthians. And I found that scripture where in Second Corinthians 7, verse 8, he says this, For though I caused you sorrow by my letter, talking about First Corinthians, I do not regret it, though I did regret it, for I see that the letter caused you sorrow for only for a while. In other words, he's saying, well, I don't regret getting on to you, <laughs> but I kind of do because I hated that it bothered you. But he says, but I rejoice, not that you were made sorrowful, but that your sorrowful turned you into a point of repentance. In other words, I don't regret the fact that— It's um, like he doesn't, he doesn't regret telling you the happened. truth. Yeah, yeah. Jeez. (laughs) I don't regret the fact that that I was, you know, stern and I was right faithful to the truth. Yeah, I hated that it brought you so much sorrow and it bothered you, but I'm rejoicing with you now because you've turned from it, and that's where I think that that's you know the the feel that I get with Second Corinthians, and I do feel that that's very important. Yeah, and he says, for godly grief produces repentance that mm-hmm. leads to salvation without regret. So we're, worldly grief leads to death. But yeah, like that whole, like, yes, we can, like being grieved by our sin, it's almost like that's a good thing because that's what mm-hmm. leads to repentance and there's not regret in that and there's not, you know, versus well, hope. Right. I think that what Paul is saying, if you were continue to go in the direction you were going, you were, it wasn't going to go well. And I loved you enough to tell you. And so I didn't mean to hurt you. I wasn't trying mm-hmm. to be ugly to you. But I want you to look past all of that and realize it's because I care about you that I had to, you know, in love, tell you that if you continue to do what you're doing, you're not going. it's not going to go well. And mm-hmm. I think that that's the the feel and that's the heart of second corinthians first corinthians he just has to deal with the issue and it's hard but i think you know kara like what you're saying is that we just have to kind of realize that some of the circumstances and some of the things that we find ourselves you know involved in are that you know situations that we're involved in and in life right now it's not easy it's not hard we may not be in a place where we want to be but as Paul was saying, just don't, just don't keep your eyes on today. Yeah, today is today. And think of an eternal thing. Think that today, and of course, I will agree that sometimes our choices that we make today determines what our future is. But what he's saying is, and he's talking about the persecution for doing for what's right, not being persecuted for doing what's wrong, not uh, reaping the consequences of our sin, but reaping, you know, the pain of obedience, the cost of discipleship. And he was saying to them, hold on, because there's another day coming. And that even though you don't see a purpose in what you're going through, and even though you don't see how this could possibly turn out for your better, that this momentary, and when he uses this as momentary, based on an, an eternal perspective, like it's one thing to deal with this hard times in life for 50, 60, 70 years versus where you're going to spend eternity. And I think that that's the hope. And I, I think that's the heart of, of Paul going, hang on. 
you know, hang on. What you don't see and what God is doing, and it's always going, not just seeing the heart of Paul, but seeing the heart of God. And saying God would never allow you to go through these things and experience these things unless he knew for whatever reason it was your best. Because God always leaves and always does what is best for his children. Thanks for listening. I'm so glad that you could be a part of our conversation. To continue the conversation, you can find Dot on social media at Dot Bowen or visit her website, dotbowen.com. Subscribe, like, and share with your friends, and we will see you next week on Write This Down with Dot Bowen. Bowen.